Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. Hey, it's Anna. This week, we're revisiting a topic that hit home for many of you, student debt. I'm checking back in with some of the people who shared their student loan stories last year. When we first released these episodes, thousands of you responded with your own stories about student debt. And many of you said this project opened a door for tough but important conversations in your life. I loved hearing from many of you how listening to these episodes changed things in your relationships, your budget, or the big ways you think about opportunity. Before we hear the updates, I want to remind you that listener support makes this podcast and those conversations possible. As part of the Death, Sex, and Money community, you play an essential role. It's the heart of what we do. You can support these kinds of projects by donating to the show. We depend on your contributions, and by becoming a sustaining member, you'll help us plan for the future. Right now, I'm asking you to become part of our community by signing up to give a set amount each month. For a lot of you, that's $8 a month, but really, it's whatever you can do. You can donate right now by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate, or text the letters DSM to 70101. If you've gotten something out of the conversations we have on this show, please join in to keep this community growing. If you're already a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money, thank you. And if you haven't given yet, the time is now. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate to support the show with your monthly sustaining gift. Thank you so much. Hey, Anna. It's been almost a year, so I felt like it was a good time for me to call and check in. This is Death, Sex, and Money. When you said money, I felt a certain feeling rising up from this group here today. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. I'm closer to the end of my life than I've ever been. And need to talk about more. Don't you want to know where babies really come from? I'm Anna Sale. If you haven't heard our episodes from last year about student loans, go back and listen. In this episode, I'm checking back in with some of the people I talked to a year ago, like Jordan Gibbs, who just wasn't paying her student loans when I first talked to her. Here she was back then. You start getting emails all the time like, hey, Jordan, your student loans are past due. And then you get like one of those pink envelopes in the mail when it's like when you get the pink envelope, you're fucked. How long have you been getting pink envelopes? Maybe like on and off for about a year. 
Jordan decided to use her first and last name publicly in our interview to hold herself accountable. And she did. She made her first payment last summer. Since we spoke, Jordan has totally changed the way she spends money so she can devote $900 a month to loan payments. She sent us an email update a few weeks ago, and I asked her to come back in to talk about it. Hi, Jordan Gibbs. Hello, Anna Sale. How are you? How has your year been? It has been really interesting. A lot of, I wouldn't say downs, but like it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Being an adult and like taking on like adult things has made me grow up a little bit. And watching all this money go towards stupid student loans, it's just like, ugh, I'm just, I'm pushing back what I really want in order to do the right thing. So it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. As you adjusted your budget, did you talk to anybody? No. I looked through my bank account and started Xing things off a list. Do I need to have my eyelashes done? No. Like, you can, you'll be fine without eyelashes, Jordan. I mean, do you, you need to, I mean, I was shopping like crazy. I was going out to dinner, drinks, um, you know, just being, my dad's favorite word, careless, just being absolutely careless. And, you know, looking at my spending at the end of the month, and I was just like, wow, you can definitely afford to pay your student loans. Did you listen to our student loan episodes that you were in? Um, yes, but almost a week or two before I got back in touch with you. You um, waited. Yeah. Well, um, a couple of people had reached out to me on LinkedIn, and some of the messages were, like, really nice and, like, you know, really identify with what you had to say. And then there were some people who had sent not so – not, like, cruel messages, but more just, like, if I had your situation, like, you don't have, like, the right to be so irresponsible kind of thing. And so when I read those messages prior to listening to the episode, it kind of, like, scared me to listen to it just because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, like, do I sound like some pretentious person who's completely unaware of, you know, privilege or just – I didn't really know what to think of it, so it just kind of shied me away from listening to it. I'm pretty struck that people found you on LinkedIn to send you messages about how they thought you were making bad decisions. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, in, in some people's defense, they did send me, like, nice things, too. Like, there was this one guy who was like, you got this, like, you know. It was like encouragement. Yeah, there was like, a, you know, but then there were some that was just like, you, I really don't want to hear your sob story kind of a thing. So I was like, damn. So it was exposing. Because yeah. even the people who were encouraging you, you're like, oh, my God. People they, really they listen know, to this. They like, know what I said. God, there's like a person from North Carolina talking to me about this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Are you glad that you emailed us and said, sure, I'll do an interview? Yes and no. Yes, because I don't think I would have had, like, the catalyst to do it otherwise. Like, I mean— I could have kept on just dodging. I I mean, I'm sure something would have happened, like my credit score would have blown up or something where it would have forced me to do it. But I would also say no because it's not fun to take a hard look in the mirror at yourself and, you know, start making better decisions. And so I was, I was, I just haven't been disappointed in myself like that in a really long time. Hmm. It's never fun to kind of look in the mirror and be like, okay, you caused this problem for yourself. Um, But I mean, I think I made the right decisions. So. I guess I'm happy in the end. Jordan has about $40,000 left to pay off. And she told me once she finally listened, she got some tips from the episodes. I heard a lady on there, and she was saying that she listened to some radio guy, and she just... (gasps) Dave Ramsey? Yeah, it was like two hours every day of Dave Ramsey, and I 
took the podcast off my phone. I felt like I needed to get out of that scarcity mindset. That lady we called Beth a year ago. Now she's letting go of Dave Ramsey's anti-debt radio show, and she's ready to shed the pseudonym she used with me before. I think you can just use my first name, Tara. Now, especially now that I'm done, I just don't care. When we talked last year, Tara was dedicating more than half her take-home pay as a public defender toward her loans, about $3,000 a month. She was trying to finally get rid of the more than $200,000 she'd owed for undergrad and law school. Then in February, she scheduled her last payment. And I, like, slept terribly all night. I kept waking up, and, and I was, like, sweating. Huh. But it was like this sort of internal excitement, I guess. And I woke up and immediately logged on through my phone and said, you know, balance paid in full, amount due zero. In bed. In bed. Uh (laughs) And I just, you know, laid there for a few minutes and I just thought, that's it. I'm done. One of the things you talked about giving up was going into a store and buying like a shirt from Ann Taylor. Have have you bought yourself a nice shirt? I haven't yet. I've bought a couple of um, workout clothes items because I came back from a run the other day and I was like, I hate this shirt. Like, it's just a shirt that I've had a long time that kept riding up. And I said to myself, why are you still wearing it? Go buy another shirt. (laughs) Uh It's very psychological and I'm trying to work through some of that. And I think I've always had some sense of scarcity, you know, Growing up, we never had much money, and I so I think at 37, I'm now just getting to a place where I don't have to think that way. Um, oh, one thing, I, I don't know how I forgot this because I'm doing it later today, actually, is I have started horseback riding. Oh, fun. Yeah, I did it for about two years when I was a kid, maybe like seven or eight years old, um, before we basically couldn't afford it anymore. So I promised myself that once I was debt-free, that was going to be the thing that I was going to do. So at this point, I'm going once a week for an hour, and I just, I love it because I can, you know, just leave my desk, leave court, leave wherever, and go there and just be with a, it's like a totally different set of thoughts when I'm out there. Coming up, I check in with a listener named Sharif. A year ago, he was questioning whether his higher education was worth it at all. If I hadn't gone to college, I probably would have been better off. We talk about what's changed since. We have another update to share with you. Lawrence Bartley, the inmate at Sing Sing Prison that I interviewed in 2014, has been granted parole. He was 17 when he was arrested and charged with murder. He's now 44. Lawrence wrote an essay for the Marshall Project about what he's been thinking about ahead of his release. He wrote, on April 16th, I got my new birth certificate, the letter granting my parole. With my new lease on life, I still remember the one I took. There's a link to Lawrence's essay on our Facebook page, and we wish Lawrence, his wife Renine, and their family all our best as they prepare for his reentry. 
On the next episode, Tayari Jones, the author of this year's Oprah Book Club pick, An American Marriage. She talks about the challenges of becoming famous overnight and why, for her, dating other artists often hasn't worked out. I realized that I was in a position of being support staff to these men who are artists. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I feel that if you have to tell someone to read your work, then they don't want to do it. So I really would want someone who would volunteer to say, hey, let me see that. Hey, everyone. Before we go back to the show, I just want to remind you that the kinds of conversations you hear on Death, Sex, and Money only happen because of listener support. And right now, we're asking for your help so we can bring you more shows like this. Please consider joining our community of sustaining members. $8 a month is the most popular level, but any amount you can do makes a difference for us. You can donate right now at deathsexmoney.org donate or text DSM to 7010. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Hello. Hi, Sharif. Hi, how are you? Good. It's nice to hear your voice again. Yes, likewise. Where are you talking to me from right now? Oh, I'm back in my safe space in my car again. (laughs) (laughs) Just like when he first called me, Sharif was parked outside the office where he works as a chemical engineer. He immigrated to the U.S. as a teenager from Bangladesh, and he felt embarrassed and ashamed at the weight of his more than $100,000 of debt when we spoke a year ago. I don't know how else to put it except that I almost made it. So yeah, that made me recalculate what what America meant to me. You sounded so frustrated a year ago when we talked and stuck. I was. <laughs> I was. I was. I still am to a certain extent, but now I'm, I feel I'm in more... I'm in better control of the situation. And when I hard back the episodes, it actually did something where I'm actually a lot more comfortable. Um, It was almost therapeutic to hear it. Hearing that there are so many other people out there just like me, if not worse, it actually made me feel like I was part of a community. Did you do something different with your student loans? So I reconsolidated my loans, Mm -hmm. brought it in one place, so I have a better understanding of exactly how much I owe Mm -hmm. and how best to tackle it. So now you get, it's all in one place? Is there just one student loan payment that you're making every month? That's right. Everything is in one place. Before, the payments were going out in segments throughout the month. Now it's just one payment 
it still amounted to pretty much the same amount that I'm paying in one lump sum, but it definitely helps me better in controlling and planning my finances. How much is your monthly payment right now? It's around $1,050. And do you have a sense? $1,057 to be exact. Okay, (laughs) $1,057. But I'm actually making payments after the monthly payment. Whatever savings I can muster in a month, I'll actually make an additional payment. So last year, I was able to pay off like about around $10,000 additional. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to pay it off in five to seven years. Am I remembering correctly, you have two little kids? Yes. My daughter, who's the older, she's four, and my son is uh, turned two in November. How are you thinking about their higher education? Well, I mean, I always had a little bit of a saving plan for them for their educational budget, but I'm not going to tell them about it because I want them to become independent. And that's what they should plan for. They shouldn't be really counting on the money that I have saved. But then if they need it, I can, no, no, I'll I'll come in and help. So you're not going to tell them as part of your parenting philosophy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they would have to struggle. Otherwise, they wouldn't understand or value what they have. I will not tell them because I think that will make them complacent. I just can't have that. A year ago, a listener named Josie was deciding on colleges, looking at glossy brochures from the elite private school she got into and comparing it to paying in-state tuition at the University of Louisville. She decided to go to Louisville because of the money. And I caught her on her cell phone on campus as she was wrapping up her freshman year with big plans on her mind. I'm going to be studying abroad next semester in Amsterdam. Oh, cool. Like all next semester. And that is certainly not the cheapest option. She's able to do that because she's taking out less in loans for tuition overall. And now she says the only thing she regrets is how much she agonized about going to a state school. I was in so much stress that whole year. No one is, none of these colleges who want you to pay lots and lots of money, none of them are trying to make it a clear choice. None of them are wanting you to feel okay about not going there. (laughs) And then when I got here, I met lots of people who had very similar stories to me. Uh Like I got into this elite school and chose here instead. I just felt like at home. I was just so relieved. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to go home and work and save money for One last person I've really wondered about is Jessie, who a year ago talked to me about her student loans while she was pulled off the highway in Colorado. I am sitting in my car in Cortez, Colorado, on the drive back to my mom's house in, uh, in Washington State. She was on the road because she'd just broken up with her fiancé basically because of her student loans. This year, she says she's worried a lot less about her debt. After you call off a wedding over student loans, nothing else really holds a candle. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jessie's been paying about $500 a month on her $60,000 debt. She works for a nonprofit hospital and is hoping for public service loan forgiveness. So she's investing and saving anything beyond the minimum payment. And in the last year, she told me she's been focusing on other things besides her student debt. I moved back to Washington, pretty much immediately started a new job. Um, This past summer, I bought my first house up here. Mm Mm-hmm. I started dieting and exercising, and as of now, looking back in the last year, I've lost almost 90 pounds. Oh, wow. And then the kind of more recent part of my life, I, about a month ago, finished the process of being licensed as a foster parent in the state of Washington. And right now I have, um, short term, a four-year-old foster daughter. How did you make the decision to become a foster parent? Um, you know, I, I've wanted to be a parent my whole life. And, of course, the decision to leave my ex-fiance was because he said that people with debt shouldn't have children, including student debt. Um, and that was a deal breaker, so I left. And kind of mm-hmm. this past summer, I turned 30. And the question of how prominent should becoming a mom be in my mind right now? Should I not worry about it and I'll figure it out later? Or should I, you know, put the move on it? You know? Yeah. I know that exact internal dialogue. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And got the house and my life felt a little bit more stable. And so I started looking into it and realized that it was something that I could do, um, you know, to kind of get my feet in the water of would I be okay being a single mom? And it took many months of lots of paperwork. But yeah, I did it. And I have my my first kiddo right now. How many weeks in are you? You said it's fairly recent? I'm two weeks in. And actually, she, she could be going home any day now. And in this case, it's a really positive development. So I'm really excited for her. I'll be really sad to see her go because I've grown very attached. What have you learned in two weeks about creating connection and loving someone when you know that, that it's could be quite temporary? Gosh, for this girl in particular, I, I've just learned about, I think the importance of just showing up, just being there because I mean, at four, she's really young, but she's also old enough to know that she's with me and not her parents. But I just kept showing up. You know, I, I you know, rubbing her back when she was sad and I kept being the one to smile first when she was mad at me and eventually she came around. How do you think back on the end of your relationship now that it's been a year? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, by a million miles, it was the hardest period of my life. And a year out, I feel like I'm just now really coming out of the full cloud of that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's actually been really interesting having, you know, that episode of the podcast because I saved it. And a couple of times over the last year, I've gone back to it and I, Mm. I listened to myself talking about it and it gives me this really unique, I don't know, kind of mile marker to hear how I was a year ago. And I remember a year ago, I like I knew in my heart I was doing the right thing, but every moment of it hurt. Every decision, every second, it all hurt. 
and now it it feels unfortunate, but gosh, I'm so glad that I left and that I kind of restarted life in the way that I did and in a way that wasn't so shame based about about money. That's a listener named Jessie talking to me from her new house in Washington. If you have student loans, we've got a list of resources to help you manage them, whether you've been making minimum payments, trying to pay them off as quickly as possible, or ignoring them completely. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash student loans and click on the link for free resources at the bottom of the page. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Annabelle Bacon, Stephanie Joyce, Emily Botine, Andrew Dunn, and Katie Bishop. And last week, Katie brought the newest member of the extended Death, Sex, and Money team into the world. Baby Lila is here. Katie's going to take the next several months off while they get to know each other, and we will miss her but we are so glad she has this time to focus on that important work. Our intern is Angelie Mercado, the Reverend John Delure and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. And this episode was a really nice reminder that when you listen, send an email, tell us a story, you become part of a real community. If you want to support this kind of connection and conversation, please consider donating. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. And before she heads to Europe next semester, Josie's summer job is at a bagel shop in her hometown. I also served bagels at a job in high school and college. It's a lifelong skill you'll have of cutting a bagel right down the middle. Yeah, I had to watch some training videos online. Like, you press lightly and go halfway through and then flip it up. And then (laughs) I'm ready to get really good at slicing bagels. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. WNYC.